Hello, hello. What's up? What's good? Ni hao. Bonjour. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting and artistic, tenacious people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a brilliant show for today with our first 2020 compilation episode. Our compilation episodes will be taking bits and pieces of some of the popular episodes from the year. Today, we're featuring three separate performers. West End performer Lara Martins, a member of the Santa Fe Ballet, Kaya Wolsey, and grind violinist Tanya Cracknow. These three talented women were featured early in the year in April, and we'll kick things off with our 25th episode, Lara Martins. Lara is a powerful actress who brings every character alive, from a pure operatic sound to the melodies of musicals, a multifaceted singer who develops her vocal and dramatic technique to meet every new artistic challenge. Now, Carlotta is such a unique, amazing character. The role requires not only just a great voice, but perfect comedic timing. I think she creates more laughter than just about anyone in the show. What were some of your thoughts in playing such a dynamic character, especially one on the comedic presence? I think Carlotta is a great role, really, because, you know, as you say, um, there's a lot of levels into this character. Uh, obviously, the comedy aspect of it, it's also what lightens up a little bit to the whole um, script, you know, because we have this trio of Raoul, Phantom and Christine, which is, you know, a quite heavy romance going on over there. And then you have you, you have the comedy with Carlotta, the manager's Piange. So she's very much obviously um, a comic role, but she's also much more than that, you know. We have to think about um, Carlotta, you know, she she was the diva of the Paris Opera House. At that time, that divas were like our Beyonce's, our yeah, yeah. Lady Gaga's, you know. You know, people would travel miles and miles to go and hear these women sing, you know. And so um, she sees her uh, role as the diva being threatened by a ballet girl that, you yeah. know, in the 19th century was really the scum of the opera house, you know, <laughs> yeah. very close to prostitutes, really, you know. So, um, you know, and, and at the same time, she's maybe middle-aged, or a voice is perhaps, you know, going down, she's a little bit vulnerable, and then this whole business with Christine happens. So there is a lot of things, a lot of layers in the mm -hmm. character. And it's interesting to see all that layers, you know, on top of all this comedy. So I think the audience should have even a little bit of compassion for her, you know, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> well, I don't know how many times in, in a daily life I've heard someone say the phrase, uh, oh, these things happen. And then I've repeated it in my mind, you know, these, these things, things do happen the way she says it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's right. So uh, definitely. Uh, now, theater season's long and tired, especially doing the same role. How do you prepare yourself to play the same role night after night, mentally and emotionally? Because I know it can be a grind. Well, listen, uh, it's challenging. It's obviously hard. Um, and of course, that, that you always go on that stage and you try to give your best. But, you know, it's we are in a live performance. And therefore, you know, sometimes, you know, we're not machines. And do the same show. Obviously, that's the beauty of live um, live theater. Um, it is hard, and um, we just—I don't know. I don't know how to explain. You get on that stage, and you just do it. And you know, yeah. and then you have 
and you never you feel the energy of the audience because we always have full sold out performances so the energy of the audience is great i mean some days you're more tired but you know i don't know for some reason you go on that stage and you just give your best every night you try to give your best every night you know um but it's challenging obviously you know i've done the same thing for many many years and you just find ways of motivating yourself every time you go there you know you try to find new things you find you try to find new energies so yeah it's challenging (laughs) well you mentioned in there you said that you know sometimes you're going to have a bad day or you're tired or something so what did you do when you had when you're maybe you're just extremely tired that day or something or you had a rough day you had cancellation on the tube and just this and that and you had just a frustrating day but you had to perform that night how did you handle those unique challenges? Well, that's why we are professional singers. You know, if you just have to put all that um, things aside and just be able to surpass, surpass them and think, well, you know, now it's showtime, so we can't be really thinking, of, you know, about these things. It's kind of you just build this wall around you and you just get on in the zone and that's it. Obviously, if you're sick and your voice is not working, that's completely different matter. You're unable to perform. That's different. You know, all over the years, you just learn how to deal with this, you know. Um, it's part of your life as a, a performer, you know. Um, yeah. You just have to create this shield. You've performed in some of the most legendary and fabled theaters in all of Europe. Which have been some of your most memorable? You know, I always get that question, and it's really hard to answer. But you know, it's gonna—it's funny. But I always—I have the best memories when I perform in the Opera House in Lisbon, in my country. Uh, that was gonna be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> because um, every time I go there, you know, it's like a big family. It's a very old theater, so a lot of people that have been working there for years and years, you know, the technicians, the secretaries, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that's been there for years. So they have seen me perform since I was very young and have seen me grown in my career. And every time I go there, it's like I go back home, you know, and I, I'm with these people and we, and also I work with wonderful colleagues that, And every time we do a production there, it's so special. And I always have the best memories because we are so close. And, and, you know, then I'm in my country. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yes. So I would say I I have really special memories every time I work there. So maybe that theater. (laughs) How do you handle the, the, the struggle, the challenge of the auditions? Yeah, I would say that is the worst part of being a performer and I think I'm not alone saying this I mean I think everybody hates auditions I mean they're Mm. not nice they're nerve-wracking and you really have to be really strong Um, I think it's the worst part of this business really but it's it's something that you just have to do it there's no other way really Um, it's hard you know to do an audition and also when you are there just waiting for the results because you know um, we have to be realistic. The casting, mm. the casting nowadays is so specific, and really, casting directors can choose by the color of their eyes if they want. You know, yeah. You know, because it's there's so many performers out there, um, so they're really tough. And um, 
in 10 auditions, you might get two yeses, you know. So you have to learn how to deal with this in the professional life, how to deal with rejection. You have to accept that it's nothing to do with your talent. It's just, you know, they were just looking for something else. All you need to do is to go to that room and give your best, and that's all you can do, nothing else, you know. But it's hard. It's really hard to deal with that. So, yeah, but does what can we do? <laughs> yeah, does or has rejection become easier? I don't think, I mean, you uh, learn how to deal with it, but it's never easy. I, I, mm -hmm. I never... I never find that easy. I, I have now learned how to deal with it, you know, but it always takes me one or two days until I forget about it, you know, yeah. <laughs> for one. And especially when it's that job. Oh, yeah, I really wanted that job. You know, I really wanted to do that, you know. Yeah. Um, so it never gets easy, but you just learn how to deal with it, I would, I, I would say. If you could give 18-year-old you advice, one one bit of advice, what would it be? Um, I would, I would say, try to be yourself, like, no, don't try to imitate any performer or try to be, oh, I want to be like this, you know, um, the more I'm in this business, the more I understand that people are looking for unique talent, you know, and they, you know, they're not looking for a copy of X or this or that, you know, they're looking for someone that is unique, that has this their own strengths, their own personality. So find your strengths and really build them up, you know, yeah. work on them. Um, don't try to imitate anyone. Just find what you are really good at and then work on that. Ah, Laura was fantastic. I consider myself extremely fortunate to having seen her perform in the West End. Next up on our compilation episode, Kaya Wolsey. Kaya was uh, an extraordinary conversation. The ballerina was, was incredibly honest and I admired her for the amount of praise and adoration that she had for her fellow performers. You grew up in a dance studio and your mom ran one and so you've been around the world of dance for a long time. How did that enable you to be successful with auditions? with auditions um you know I think growing up in the dance world and seeing my mom being a dancer I learned a lot just from watching and I definitely uh it helped having a mom that knew what I was going through and someone I could talk to about it and was just able to um basically there's like even the smallest things of when you're younger you audition for summer intensives and she would teach me from the time I was like 12 years old that you're supposed to wear a bright colored leotard so that you're noticeable because if you wear black like everybody else you're not going to be seen and or even if you're required to wear black because some of them you were like that you should have a flower in your hair or something that like helps the directors or whoever's auditioning to be able to pick you out from a crowd so that definitely helps she also helps with a lot of auditions that I've done have all been um, initially you send in a video of yourself dancing and then they invite you to come out and audition in person. So just having that, um, person that I could always ask to look at, the, um, my videos and yeah. proofread all my resumes and things like that were definitely helpful. <laughs> I 
how did the most recent audition when it comes to Aspen Santa Fe, did you feel this one was easier this time around? I know this is a company that you've long wanted to be part of. So was this audition any easier or do they always just stay anxiety filled? Um, this is actually probably one of the most anxiety filled auditions that I did. Uh, mostly just because it was a company of the caliber that it is and that I was I really wanted the job. I was yeah. working for a company that I really loved dancing for, but was having to work really hard to make ends meet. And so um, there was a lot of pressure for me, to, I felt like, to make it work or make it happen. And I had also been uh, kind of recruited by one of my old mentors to audition for Aspen. And she gave me a recommendation to the company. So I felt like I didn't want to let her down, too. So it definitely, it's always difficult, I think. But uh, one thing that does get easier is performing. So auditions, I think, are always stressful and anxiety-inducing. But um, after dancing with Aspen for even just this year, we've done so many shows that I still get, like, butterflies and excited to go on stage. But I used to get very, very anxious. And it's just when you only get to perform a certain amount of times a year, you put a lot of stock into those shows and you actually perform a lot better generally when you're just more comfortable on stage. So shows I feel like go a lot smoother when you don't have quite as much anxiety. So I'm grateful for that growth. <laughs> ah, that's wonderful to hear. Now this is your first season with Aspen and with everything going on right now, a lot of your future events are postponed and up in the air. How have you managed to stay positive and upbeat knowing that your dreams are temporarily on pause and we don't know when we're going to start again um i have been i I guess like the first couple weeks of quarantine i i kind of just shut down and didn't really think about it much i wasn't dancing or staying in shape i just was kind of on a survival mode of like i'm just gonna pretend like nothing's happening and just go about my business and i mean not in terms of i was you know yeah. In terms of I wasn't uh, taking a lot or thinking a lot about my career at that moment. Uh, but then now that I've had my time to uh, veg out for a little bit, I have just been really proactive about staying in shape and actually trying to improve on certain things that when I am in the studio all day that I don't have time to dedicate my time to. So I'm stretching more and working on my flexibility more. I'm obviously in small spaces. I can't really execute a lot of the things, but there's certain things that I can spend a lot more time on. And so I'm just, I'm still dancing. I'm still moving. I've been filming a lot of things, just dancing in random places like the church parking lot across the street from my parents' house and our backyard and uh, just being creative in new ways and pushing my technique in the ways that I'm able to. So I've actually kind of, there's certain days I've really enjoyed having all this time to myself, but definitely I'm excited to get back into the studio and back on stage. Yeah, I love that. You're rolling with it and bettering yourself in whichever way you can. Now with Aspen, one thing that I love best about uh, your company is that you guys do a great blend of contemporary and classical with performances such as Nutcracker and Beautiful Decay. Mm-hmm. How is your preparation different and how is it the same when you're dealing with completely different disciplines of dance? Uh, the preparation, I think, mentally is different. Uh, contemporary, there's a lot of 
room for expression and just being really in the moment of whatever happens kind of happens uh, where ballet, my mental preparation, I, I tend to get a little bit more, we like joke about it being like bun heady, like a ballerina is a bun head. You get a little more uptight, a little more focused. So I definitely during Nutcracker season was really more focused. I spent a lot more time at home just caring for my body. And not that I don't need to do that with the contemporary stuff, but it, it definitely affects, I think, everyone that way in the company. And then aside from that, physically, we condition our bodies differently when we're doing a lot of contemporary stuff that involves a lot of floor work. We're doing a lot more exercises that involve push-ups and building arm strength. And although we always need a co- our cores need to be strong, it's somehow it's a different type of strength. So we definitely work differently in terms of what we do outside of class or how we warm up for class. And then when we strap on the point shoes, that's definitely something we don't do all the time. So it takes a lot of time just to make sure that we're exercising our feet or you're doing exercises for our feet that keep us strong and not injured. Um, so we do change our routines a little bit in terms of physical and then mental. I definitely think my focus shifts. <laughs> Last time we spoke, you mentioned who some of your inspirations were and that give you creativity and motivate you. And I love that answer. So who are the people that uh, you look up, look up to when it comes to the dance world? Um, I look up to most my coworkers and my uh, close dance friends or even my uh, not so close dance friends. But the people that I um, have come in contact with that have changed my perspective on dance. Uh, someone I didn't really mention last time was when I was dancing with Salt uh, back in Salt Lake, we had a director, um, I was in the second company, and at first, and she really nurtured me and um, kind of taught me how to like, how to love dance again, because I had taken a few years off prior to joining Salt. So I really appreciated her, her name's Becca. And she really, she did that with every dancer, she could see what was beautiful in them and seeing her and she was a dancer too. And she was in the main company at the time. So seeing her not feeling threatened by the people that were coming up under her in the second company, she really instead chose to nurture them and make it make everyone feel like they were beautiful and see the beautiful things in them. So and then just even my friends that I still come in contact with now, we all share our dancing and our improv and things like that on Instagram and just seeing them, especially during this time of quarantine, seeing how they're expressing their creativity and um, staying busy and still staying in it is really inspiring as well. So. <laughs> Kaya was fantastic. Lastly today, we bring back Tanya Crack now. An exquisitely talented performer who is blending two somewhat contradictory forms of music and has done so to perfection. Grime and violence. It's not the most common of combinations. Uh, where did you get the idea to combine the two? Uh, well, I left university feeling a little bit like I didn't know what to do. So I studied classical violin Um and I enjoyed it, but I sort of knew that I didn't want to become a classical player. So I did some sessions for all sorts of types of music. 
And then just at home, I just played along to the music that I loved. And uh, grime was up there in one of my favorite types of music. Um, and then just one day, a few years ago, I put up a video on Instagram of me playing to sort of a classic grime track. Um, and by then, I hadn't like branded myself as the grime violinist or anything. Um, and people really seemed to like it. And I was like, oh, man, I can really, I seem to be able to write to grime better than anything else because it just inspires me and excites me. So, yeah, I just ran with it. And here we are. Yeah, well, that's amazing that it was it was putting you up, and you kind of maybe did it as a as just a hobby, and then it's turned into oh, something. Oh, hundred percent. There was no planning here. <laughs> yeah, man, man. And who would have guessed that when that hobby started, when you were probably just fooling around and everything, that years later you'd be performing at Glastonbury? Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, so it's tell true. me, tell me, this is probably the most iconic uh, uh, music festival in the world. What was that experience like? Uh, it was dope. You know, I had actually played there before, but with other bands, mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, doing backing strings. But it, the, this year, 2019, just gone, um, was the first year where I had a solo um, slot and it was a head, headline slot, um, the Rum Shack stage. And, yeah, it was awesome. So I was there. Um, I was also there with a band that I play in, a hip opera band. So, again, another fusion thing, like mm-hmm. mixing up hip hop and opera. Um, so I had some performances with with them and then I had my own performance um and I also guested with Loki um the rapper and on one of his sets so actually Glastonbury for me was a blur because I actually I had six performances at Glastonbury oh. last year so that was just in retrospect that was a little bit much like because <laughs> I got to I got to perform a lot but I didn't get to enjoy a lot because I was just getting ready for my next show um but yeah my solo set there was yeah a highlight definitely um and yeah it's just it's something that I didn't think would happen um you know I I usually see strings backing artists Mm -hmm. you don't normally see a string solo player so I feel very grateful for that and what's the name of your the hip-hop group you're with Josephine and the Artisans Josephine and, and how often do you perform with them um Actually, over the summer, we usually get about 10 festivals or something, and then the okay. odd one in between. Um, obviously, not this summer, but, yeah, usually yeah. we'll be back on track next year. My question is, I know uh, younger people definitely understand grime, and then maybe the older crowd doesn't quite understand grime. I know if I told my mom, like, oh, she plays violin grime, she'd be like, what? What is that? So how do you explain to people who might not know what this is? Yeah, I had to do the same thing for my parents. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And your Um, your your parents actually are musicians as well? Yes, they're classical guitarists. So again, they don't understand grime, but they understand music. And that's definitely where I get my... um, yeah musical inspiration sort of likes and things from um so in terms of grime so describing grime to non non grime people (laughs) people don't know what it is um it is a form of uk rap it's not just uk rap a lot of people think oh it's grime and then they can suddenly say okay so it's everything that like stormzy does but it's not quite true because he does do grime and he grew up in grime but the stuff that he releases at the moment isn't all grime, so it's a bit confusing. So yeah. grime is usually um, usually sort of um, English uh, English accents, which obviously you can decipher because a lot of rap is coming out of the US and everywhere now. But, you know, it was uh, UK-based, grew up in East London, um, and it's usually at 140 beats per minute. Um, it's usually got quite, of, quite a an energetic yeah aggressive beat um and 
it's usually got like a low synth and 808 in there as well. Yeah. And often um, it's led by a very like quite a simple melody um, on something like strings or wind. So for me, it was a bit of a no brainer to play to it because, um, you know, those strings were already there, but they were quite they were very synthesized and they were meant to sound synthesized. But I'm just the person who does it live. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more like a, a blend of both hip hop. Uh, the trap, uh, drum and bass, a little bit, and dubstep, kind of all yeah, rolled into one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it both, yeah, drum and bass, uh, garage. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Kind of with one underlying theme of of energy. I guess that would be the. Yes, kind of and that's what I love it for. And if yeah. you go to a grind gig, you know, then you'll get it. Without going to a live grind gig, like, I don't think you can get it. You know, it's the kind of thing that, um, yeah, you expect moss pits just to be at heavy metal gigs or the odd um hip-hop gig but actually at grime gigs there's always a bit yeah. there's sort of you know there's people just wanting to exert the energy and it's a really nice mix of um yeah loads of people just getting together and jumping around and getting the energy out in a yeah. sort of uh in a healthy way i think yeah and you mentioned that it was videos that kind of kick-started you into this career and now you continue to do these violin covers and they're a lot of fun and there's some very unique songs uh, including recently imitating eminem's uh really super fast vocals on the song Godzilla. How do you pick your songs? Is it just songs that you enjoy personally or is it songs that are, are proper at the moment? Uh, it's totally selfish. It's, it's yeah. songs that I enjoy. Perfect. Obviously, <laughs> um, you know, it helps if they're, um, if they've just come out um, and they're popular and what helps in terms of um, sharing it to a bigger audience is if the artist shares it. So that happens sometimes. Like I've covered like a gigs track and gigs is, shared it or gets track and gets us shared it and that really makes a difference to sort of people seeing what I do so that's really appreciated um but yeah I mean I I try and keep on top of kind of what's popping at the moment but I also do quite a regular actually I haven't done it this year but last year I did a regular throwback Thursdays which is me playing to a classic grime track from back Mm -hmm. in the day so it's not all sort of the latest thing uh for numbers it's just it's just whatever I get excited by listening and playing to Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wasn't that great? Make sure to follow Laura, Tanya, and Kaya on social media. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has a unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. <laughs>